it's great again. A uh, real privilege always to come and uh, speak to you uh, at North. Um, a great joy as well to bring my wife Jess this morning to uh, uh, help me with uh, my words and to add to those. And we're we're preaching out of Ephesians 6, 1 to 4 this morning, which is very much um, directed towards children and parents. So um, I deliberately wanted the older end of children's work to be in this morning because uh, it seems a bit ridiculous to preach, particularly from the first part of this passage, with children not being in the room because it's very much... Uh, directed towards them. So um, if you were wishing you were out there um, right now, uh, sevens and upwards, then I'm really sorry. But God's got some stuff for you to hear this morning. So um, uh, be open to everything that he has to say to you, however young you are this morning. Um, So as I said, I'm going to lead with the first um, three verses of this chapter, and Jess is going to pick up uh, the last verse uh, directed at parents. Um, and I think it's really important here to, um, to point out that out the four verses in this passage, three are uh, directly um, aimed at children. So children, you're really important in the room this morning, um, and I really uh, hope that uh, you get something from this. What's really important as well to remember is that actually we are all children in this room this morning. We're all the product of a mother and a father. We're all sons and daughters. And, um, you know, we can all be referred to in this room this morning as children. So don't go to sleep, adults, please. I have an 89-year-old mum and Jess has a 91-year-old dad. And we are still their children. My mum still tells me off, still nags me, but also remains at all times very proud of me as a son. Even those whose parents are no longer with us this morning, we still are actively being their children in the way we speak about them, in the way that we memorialise them and remember them, in the way that we continue to work out our lives on the foundations that they have built us on, even in the way that we may still need to forgive them, we still remain their children. So whether you're nine months or 90 years old, I know there's some 90-year-olds in the room, so I could uh, say that with real confidence, um, I still get to speak to you as children. Okay, so let's find Ephesians 6, verse 1 to 4, and I'm going to read, as I say, the first, I'm going to read the whole, um, whole passage and then focus in on the first three verses. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. 
Okay, what we have in this passage is one of the great commandments given by God. This is the fifth commandment of ten commandments that God gives us as a way of living our lives well. And it comes as, as the first commandment attached to it with a promise. And we're going to look at that in a bit. But it's also the first one that shows us how we get to love and treat each other alongside God. Paul comes out shooting from the hip in this passage. He doesn't hold anything back. He comes with some real straight talking right from the start. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Full stop. There's a deliberate full stop here, which is meant to make it clear that this is not up for argument. Children, you know those times when you want an answer to a very urgent question. And maybe sometimes you get an answer, but it's not quite how you would like it. But you also may get the dreaded answer, because I said so. As a child, this was the only answer I ever got back from my dad from the question, why can't I play in the coal house? So a coal house is, uh, for those that don't know it, those generations don't know, just where you kept the coal, and that's how we heated our houses. That's how we heated our house back in the 60s and 70s. And it was one of those places that was a dark, mysterious place. And uh, I longed to um, investigate what went on in it. Now, as a parent, I can think of a million and one reasons why a child should not play in a coal house. And I'm sure my dad had many of those reasons um, when he said to me, because I said so. What he was really saying, though, was you need to trust me because I know best and I have your safety and well-being in mind. Paul has is kind of saying the same thing here as he turns his attention in his letter to the children in the church. He starts by making it really clear that on the issue of being obedient to your parents, it's not up for argument, but that it's simply the right thing to do. There may be a million and one reasons why we should obey our parents, but God just expects us to trust him. And that he has the very best for us as we do that. It's not just that it's right, but that it's going to do us good. God doesn't expect us either to work this out on our own. We get to do it in him. We get to be obedient in him. Obey your parents in the Lord. We get to do it under the instruction of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit. The fact that we get to know him and love him and that he wants us to be number one in his lives must surely mean that on an important issue like this, he's wanting to guide us and lead us on how we do it. Let me encourage you. Take time to find out from Jesus what he's saying to you about your obedience 
towards your parents. Alongside being obedient, we're also commanded to honour our parents. Verse 2 says, honour your father and mother. Another great word for this is respect. Honour can be slightly old-fashioned, but respect is a very similar word. So you might well say, well, what's the difference between obeying and honouring? Well, whereas obeying is much more about a decision to come in under the headship and leadership of our parents, trusting in their judgement and wisdom, sometimes called coming under the authority Much like when mum and dad hold an umbrella up in a a thunderstorm and they encourage us to come in underneath it. It's for our protection and our safety. It's what we're asked to do and that's obeying. Honouring has quite a different meaning. It's about recognising the important role our parents play in raising us up to be the very best person we can. Apart from the fact that between them they physically give us life, that our mums almost certainly went through great pain to bring us into the world. Between them they are also called to carry great responsibility, of which they are held accountable to God for. It's a tough job being a parent. As children we need to recognise and honour that. Jess is going to share uh, a bit more about how parents go about that in a, in a moment, but it will almost certainly involve lots of worry, many, many sleepless nights, a great deal of learning on the job, and at times some very generous portions of selflessness, all threaded through at times, I'm sure, with great joy and great pride. We do, yes, get to honour our parents by simply just obeying them. But we also get to honour them too by recognising, appreciating and acknowledging the important work they actually do and the huge significance that God places on it. We get to honour them in our words. We can praise our parents okay you can do that we are allowed to say that they're doing a good job we get to honor them through our actions the way that we support them practically and make their lives easier in the good decisions that we make in the way that we try and achieve and succeed beyond their successes We get to honour them through our relationship with Jesus in the way that we can pray for them. Again, you can pray for your mum and dad. In the way that we grow and mature as followers of Christ. In the way that we pursue life through an understanding of his words and allowing ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit. All of this honours them. I know that the reality at times is that some parents will do a great job, others will do an okay job, 
and some will just do a pretty bad job all round. And some parents can easily do all three all at the same time. And I think that probably describes myself and Jess as we brought up our two. I'm probably going to shock you to let you know that parents are never going to be perfect. But God tells you to honour them anyway. And you know what? When we get to honour them before God, we get a reward. Did you know that? Remember that alongside this particular command to obey and honour your parents comes a promise. Well, that promise is that if we do this well, we live a long and happy life. Verse 3 says, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. I quite like the sound of that, don't you? The payoff for obeying and honouring our parents is a long and happy life. And I googled this and it, it, actually there are a lot of people who have done studies into this and found that children can indeed live longer, safer and more prosperous lives when their relationship with their parents is a good one and a healthy one. So let me encourage you as a child in this room this morning. Take the promise of a long and happy life seriously. Look again at the way that you go about obeying in your home and with your parents. What are the things you're doing to honour them right now for what they do and what they continue to do for you? And it's always important to remember too that first and foremost, our contract or our agreement that we have to be obedient and honour our parents is not really with our parents, but it's with God. We make that promise to God. It's God that asks, asks us to do it. So it's ultimately God that will show us how we do that and why it's so important. What God is wanting to do in these commandments is help us set up a pattern for life. Obedience and honouring will not stop with our parents. They will need to continue throughout our lives. At school, in our careers, when we get married, honouring and obeying comes up in the marriage vows. When we bring up our own children, within our church families and on into our journey in life with him. Obedience and honouring becomes a lifelong responsibility and God helps us to work it out first with our parents. So I'm going to hand over to Jess now who's going to speak to our parents but children I'd like you to continue to listen so that you can ask some awkward questions of them later on. Let's say that again. Morning, everyone. I'm going to briefly look at verse 4, and although it particularly addresses the father, I'm going to look at it in the light of both mums and dads. Can I just encourage all of you as adults to listen this morning? Because whether you have children or not, we can all play a part in supporting individual families. We all know that the family unit is under threat, um, it's, it's a place where the enemy wants to get a foothold. 
Um, and, you know, it's just so key in building a godly society. So, you know, if there are holes, you know, the enemy will come in and, and, and just take up residence. So let's all as family listen in and see how can we, how can we lock shields uh, and really enable families to thrive and flourish as God wants them to. So Ephesians 6 verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So in some versions, instead of provoke, it's got exasperate. I love that word. So um, for those of you who don't know, these are our kids, big kids. Oliver is 30. He got married in October, and Emily was bridesmaid plus best man. <laughs> Because they're, you know, they are best buds. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're very proud of them. Um, but actually bringing them up was not plain sailing. There were days when I was just doing whatever it took practically to get through the day. Desperate for half past six to come. Desperate for my husband to come home from work. Um, and just struggling not to feel a failure at times. Sometimes emotional baggage from our past can spill into our relationships, as it did mine with my kids. It can affect our actions and reactions towards our children, as can the way we were parented. Riches and my relationships with God were not as strong as they are now, and we were not always intentional about parenting God's way and relying on his power. And actually the truth was there were times we were just muddling through. But you know, God always knows the very best for us. And actually staying plugged into him and doing things his way always leads to life for all involved. There was just a line in one of the songs um, uh, when I fall, you are there by my side. And I had a picture of just at that moment of a mum on her knees on the floor. And I just felt, and I just saw God come down and literally kneel on the floor next to her. And you know, when we feel we are literally on the floor and struggling, and as Rich said, it is the toughest job at times. You know, there is no condemnation in Christ because God is right there beside you. He's not moved an inch, and he's not tut-tutting from a distance. You know, God can restore things, and when you're in his family, you are not on your own. And his strength and his power is available for you. So we come to wisdom for parents. Um, exasperating. Do not exasperate your children to anger. Um. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, when I think about who provoked and exasperated who in our family, I think Oliver wouldn't mind that he did his fair share of that. Um, but actually what it did was set off our provoking and exasperating of him. His sense of injustice and thinking we and others were being totally unreasonable about something, ring a bell for anyone, meant he would argue for England it has sort of come down, but it's kind of still there, and it does cause him one or two problems still. 
but at times when we were tired or had other stuff on our plate, and that happens in family life, stress and stuff from other areas of life, we probably didn't um, deal with it well. And at its worst, if you added me into the equation in a highly volatile emotional state with Ollie and Rich like two stags rutting for control, then not good. <laughs> not good, actually, for any of us. We need to be careful that we don't end up over-controlling our kids and breaking their spirits and letting our heightened emotions drive our actions and reactions. We also need to be careful not to make unreasonable demands and have too high expectations of them. That can be driven by things like fear, anxiety, wondering if our kids are achieving what they ought to, as if one size fits all. Do our comparisons with other people's children or what others think compel us to drive our own children too hard, over -push pushing them to perform well at school or to take on lots of activities to the point that they're worn out and at its worst, life becomes a hamster wheel and exasperating. Busyness and unnecessary pressure can rob our children and us of valuable relational family time. Let's also guard against being negative towards our kids, where fault-finding can outweigh encouragement and affirmation if not careful. And that can just kind of cut right to the bone. And especially if we do it in front of others, which actually just ends up humiliating them. But you know what? Even if we failed in any of these or other ways, we can, with God's help, restore things. We need to learn to apologize. And at times we needed to learn to do that because we're asking of our children to do the same to us. In the second half of this verse, we're directed to bring children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So this isn't about coldly barking orders, but it's a kind of almost like a, a taking them by the hand and firmly leading them with unconditional love. It's about honoring um, and cherishing them in the way Paul describes Jesus cherishing the church. There is to be discipline. I want to bring in another verse, Hebrews 12, verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. That righteousness can positively affect not only your children, but because they are part of this family, it ripples out to affect the church family and ultimately society around them. I'm not actually going to go into what disciplining looks like in practical detail and different families do it, you know, do it differently, but it needs to be consistent with both parents coming to a place of agreement with one another and certainly not arguing about it in front of the children as we have done in the past and so undermining its impact. 
I've already mentioned about guarding family time, and we need to cultivate a safe and loving atmosphere in our home where our children are provided for, protected, and nurtured. I'm aware that life being life, disagreements happen, arguments happen, but and that can affect the atmosphere. We just need to be careful that our home doesn't come a, cape, a place of ongoing tension. And let's just take some steps to deal with that. And if necessary, get some help. We're called to pray for our children. We and others have prayed our kids through their ups and downs of life, through some long, dark tunnels. And those prayers have been major in keeping them and us upright amidst the storms, and having both spent some years away from God to a greater or lesser degree, God unmistakably let our children know he was there and for them. When their lives were crumbling physically and emotionally, he got into those cracks, and they are both actually starting to build their lives on him again. So I just want to encourage those of you who are continuing to pray your kids home to Father, do not give up and get others in on it, you know. We're to teach our children about Jesus, faith, and the Word of God. We're not meant to leave it to the children's workers here on a Sunday morning or our midweek groups. That is our responsibility as parents. And our children look to us, they look to children's workers, they look to other adults, other Christian friends of ours uh, as role models. They're watching our actions, our reactions. So let's be aware about what we are saying and doing and the values we're building into them. Although Rich and I know that we instilled much that was godly, and good to influence our children's values, still some of their choices made later in their teen years weren't the very best for them. And I know other families who can identify with that. And actually, there are times when that can be heartbreaking, particularly when it causes struggle, it causes pain, it causes a robbing of life from them. But, you know, no matter what choices our children make, giving them unconditional love and encouragement and maintaining close relationship with them is so important. And as we continue to give that to our kids, I know it's helped form the compassionate giving adults that they have become. But we know it's hard, actually, not to feel hopeless at times, not to feel condemned that you didn't do well enough if our kids aren't doing life God's way to any degree. But, you know, actually, God hasn't gone anywhere. He is right with them. He is for them. They are the apple of his eye. He is the prodigal father who will not leave this spot from where he is looking out for them. Nothing is lost. Because what has robbed, he can turn around. He is the God who restores. And he can use it amazingly for his kingdom purposes. As I said before, we're not meant to do this on our own. 
and alongside the Holy Spirit who comforts, affirms, and empowers us. God gives us each other. And this morning, I just felt God remind me to remind you, he is the God who comforts you. And there's a real sense of him wanting to bring comfort, particularly this morning. But alongside him, God gives us each other. It can be really hard to ask for help at times. And life stresses can really put the squeeze on families. So when we need help, let's be brave. And for our family's sake, find people who will love, affirm, support, speak truth, and cheer us on. Today, if you need some help... Be brave. It's really hard not to keep quiet because it's, it feels like this is, you know, nobody's going to tell me how to run my life or whatever. That, that's not what it's about. Actually, that's a way where the enemy can get in. You can isolate yourself. And when we isolate ourselves, he can come and pick us out. You know, when we're tight together as family, he can't get a look in. So, yeah, find people who will love and affirm you. And cheer you on. So today, if you need help, come. Uh, come find some leaders or just find someone you trust and come and talk to them. And others who will point you in the direction of people who can help you. Do you know what? Ollie left home last October to get married. And I, right up until then, I had my trusted people who I went to talk with, cry stuff out with. And actually, through the years, there are people at South, there are people like Mr. Chris and Mrs. Chris who married us, who were there for us. I can remember ringing you up, Chris, one evening when Emily had gone walkabout. We had no idea where she was. Um, uh, Terry and Lois, who have prayed constantly for our kids, Having people you trust um, and who can hold your stuff with dignity and not judge you and value you and want to see you flourish and want to see your kids flourish to become all they can be in Christ. Do it. Get help. Ask for people to walk the walk with you. Um, it's so key. So whether you have children or not, let's step up to be those who can make the difference to a mum or a dad or a family getting through the day, getting through the week, to a single parent who is struggling for the fourth time to, to try and uh, put some discipline in, you know, give some discipline in a certain situation. We can all gather around. We can all lock shields we get the opportunity to influence not only, this is for all of us, who our, who our children are now, but who they will become in Christ as adults with the amazing potential to bring God's kingdom in where they go.